pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Welcome to Declarations of War. I am your host, Alexei Card, joined by my former Noir brethren, Zero Cool. Hello there. Zero has moved on to arguably less greener pastures. <laughs> <laughs> Although with uh, with everything that's happening in the game right now, you might just be in the best place, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, before we get into the huge, literally universe-shaking news that we have to talk about, a bit of house cleaning for the podcast itself. If you caught up on the Black Mark Awards, you will know that Brisk Rubal, frequent winner of Best Guest and Best CSM, has earned himself an award. Not the physical award, but the honor of the name. So we asked our audience, would they rather have the Brisk Rubal CSM of the Year Award or the Brisk Rubal Best CSM Award? And the winner... With 75% of the vote, the Briskrubal CSM of the Year Award, the official new name for that category of the Black Mark Awards going forward. Congratulations, Brisk. Rather fitting, I think. You need to get a Fountain Frank Award of some kind. That's <laughs> propaganda. <laughs> the fact that it's, that's, that's not a bad category. Maybe we should think about that, Zero. Yeah, the thing is, right, how do you keep track of that over the course of a year? I mean, it's, it's hard enough. You know, trying to pick like, you know, best CSM representative or whatever, but, you know, best propaganda. I mean, is it going to be, you know, one person and multiple pieces, one piece? I think it would have to be either a single piece or a highly coordinated, distinct campaign of some kind. Mm. But yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. That's that's a good question. A lot of propaganda gets created. It would have to be something that's so effective that it stays in that person's mind. So at the end of the year, when it comes time to nominate, we have at least a handful of people that can remember, oh, this thing, this was cool, this video, this poster, uh, this series of forum posts, something like that. Yeah, or like this concept or this tagline, because, uh, you know, there's a few mm-hmm. floating around at the moment. I won't spoil what we're going to talk about to uh, to mention any of them, but um, yeah, there's a few taglines going around in the last few months that uh, that each side of each co- uh, argument is throwing back and forth each other, um, and uh, like like memes themselves, you know, they're ideas that sort of they just sort of stick, don't they? Uh, and I, some yeah. of them are quite funny. <laughs> no, I like it. I think we're doing that next year. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a little note on the nomination form to make sure that gets done. Yeah, I mean, is it you know, a good time? Is it going to be preemptively called the uh, Fountain Frank, you know, propaganda piece award or whatever? I think he's got to earn it. Okay, I think he's got to earn it. Everyone knows Fountain Frank. Everyone knows the work that he does, the the beating heart of the Imperium information machine. But you know, you can't rest on your laurels, Zero. This is a very competitive award show, and you know, we don't just hand these things out. Fair enough. All right, moving on. We've got our, so speaking of Frisk Rubal and Fountain Frank, there's been a whole lot of drama in EVE. The initiative has been a key part of it, as is the wider Imperium. 
And it has culminated with an announcement just the other day, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, that the Imperium is going to war. So let's get into all of the buildup to this. First things first, there is some drama around the TTT. And as we get into these, I think you're going to sense a theme. Yes. So I don't even remember when this was. I think it was in January. And... I, I don't even remember where I heard it, where I read it. It was in more than one place. It was on more than one podcast. Um, there was something going on in high sec. There was some sort of structure, uh, war deck. There was some structure at risk. And um, th- my understanding is that, you know, the initiative had been sort of the, the victim, if you want, of, of high sec war decks for a long period of time and had been, you know, having to put up with that because they don't really do much in high sec and they don't really respond to it in high sec. Um, and sort of something to do with, you know, the, the people that had been putting these war decks on them for many, 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 many months or years at a time, um, were suddenly at risk of losing a structure. And this structure, you know, I think Darkshines wanted to, or somebody in the, um, somebody there wanted to go and, and, you know, finish this structure off. And I, my understanding is, and again, it's a bit fuzzy because I can't really find anything about, out about this now, um, that the, it was in breach of the TTT agreement, which is the agreement that that sort of holds together, you know, who can own um, the high sec structures to do with the market, like in Perimeter and other big places where, you know, people sort of put market orders and things out there. Um, and, and that agreement that, um, you know, the null blocks are in, where they, they agree not to fight over this in, and, and in, in return, they get a share of the, the profits from the, from the taxes. Um, and I think this sort of wound Dark Shines up somewhat. Um, and and the decision was taken that they were going to no longer, so this is just one small part of this now, that Dark Shines was no longer going to take money from the TTT agreement and was sort of, you know, soft withdrawing from it. That now, is fairly significant because it's a, I mean, I don't know if the finances are widely known, but we're talking about trillions, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's like just to look at perimeter. You've got that perimeter um, keep star, one of the uh, you know the only keep stars I'm aware of in high sec, really. Um, that's that's you know in Jita, people put market orders out there, and to make it cost less for themselves, they they put a lot of the buy orders in in this perimeter keep star and make it so that you know the range includes Jita. So when people sell stuff in Jita, it um, gets sold to the market order in um, perimeter, but but the goods usually end up in, in Jita, and it, it's cheaper for them. So all of those little taxes obviously add up to a lot of risk. It requires some stability, because obviously there would be uh, quite a few people competing over that. It's really a first, it's really a monopoly kind of situation. You're either the place where people put those orders or you're not. So that's sort of the genesis of this agreement, rather than having all these various alliances constantly fight over it. They're just agreeing to split the money, essentially. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons it's become controversial over recent years is because Test was a big part of this, and Test obviously is now at a much smaller um, alliance, and, you know, are they deserving of their cut of the money? And, and nobody knows, you know, how much they get or whatever, and well, some, obviously somebody does. Um, but, you know, then then the argument would be, well, what about other alliances like, you know, Brave and, and whatever? You know, they, they're quite large. They don't get a cut of the money. It's it's just the you know the the big four I think it was at the time wasn't it legacy which would have been test um, Panfam Winterco Imperium 
Yeah, at the time being the, the key thing. So it yeah. hasn't been updated since Test became a shell of its former self. And I don't think there's really a great mechanism to update it, as far as I'm aware. No, so this is, you know, a sort of a, a moral withdrawal, I suppose. You know, Darkshine saying, I don't, want to, I don't want to part of this anymore. You know, this isn't right, and we're going to step away. So, you know, if enough of the cards are removed from the, the house, then maybe it'll fall. It's not, it hasn't reached that critical mass, obviously, yet, because, you know, who wants to, how would you even go about um, taking down that, that structure? In, in high sec. I mean, who would do it? Who would be bothered um, to try and kill a high sec uh, keep star, you know, with all the limitations that, that are in place over that, the, the fact that you can only bring a certain size of gun, for example. Well, the, uh, the micro jumping Raven strategy, if anything, is more effective in high sec than null. So mm-hmm. I think there is significant risk if they, that the defenders can't field enough people. The keep star itself, keep in mind, doesn't have its super weapon or anything like that. It's going to be. Vulnerable. It's going to be vulnerable. Now, I think this upcoming conflict, while it is very nullsec based, does have a lot of the ingredients you might look to have to see this high sec keep star get taken down with Imperium pulling out of it. So I think the goons are still involved in. Well, they haven't said anything, is my understanding. Um, it's do, just do we the think they would stay in with initiative pulling out, though? I, well, yeah. I feel well, like that's a decision that gets talked about. I mean, if if somebody was going to shoot it, you know, uh, who would shoot it? If if it wasn't goons and initiative shooting it, then who would who would be able to kill it? What if it is goons and initiative shooting it? Well, that's the, obviously then that that brings to the to, you know, because if they're pulling out, that it only exists to fund Panfam and Winterco, which if that happened, you know, yeah, yeah, which I think is a setting event really for you know, the ingredients to what happens next. And I think, yeah, you know, this sort of tension where, you know, people start to talk about, you know, the rights and wrongs of, of these agreements and these, you know, these uh, norms in, in EVE is where we go next, maybe. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll, we've already touched on this story, but we haven't touched on the follow-up. So PanFan declared war against FireCo, saying uh, they're stifling NullSec, uh, they're resisting letting smaller alliances come in, find their feet, they're trying to rent, all this stuff just kind of threw a lot of reasoning at the wall. FanFam had enough of them. They wanted to establish a protected region of sorts in the middle of NullSec where a lot of smaller alliances that weren't affiliated with any blocks could come and kind of get themselves set up, get their feet wet in NullSec without having to worry about being bowled over or pay renting to people. Uh, Fire didn't want to go along with that. Bam Bam declared war. Fire immediately surrendered and evacuated across the map at great cost to themselves. Yeah, and who was there to receive them? Um, It was the newly formed B2 coalition. So, um, you know, I think, again, you know, why... Why were Brave and um, Volta and, and We Form Blob? Why were they sort of so willing to to receive Fireco? Well, probably because for the last nine months or whatever, they've been under pressure from from um, the, with their own you know war uh, and and uh, fraternity pushing on them, um, almost doing the opposite at the top of the map. 
So trying to create more empty space. Well, this move of theirs has had some pretty startling effects. I, I definitely didn't see these dominoes falling as fast as they did, but uh, they they left to become part of B3. They're fighting Winterco. Winterco reached out to PanFam, got one of their SIGs on mercenary contract, and it's kind of caused a bit of a chain reaction. Now, down in the southeast, uh, the map's still pretty in flux. Um We've seen a couple of new alliances step in that haven't been there before, or at least haven't had a, a significant presence. You've got guys like uh, OA Fleets, Disavowed Legions, Cyberlands, Cartel, Till Doomsday, uh, Zerg Spawner. All these alliances I've pretty much never heard of. And one that I have, Paper Numbers, who mm-hmm. people might recognize from the Alliance tournament. That is an interesting flag to be planted in LSEC. Yeah, definitely. Sigma grind set picked up some stuff uh, way down deep, pretty much south. The south can get uh, an alliance called Can I Bring My Drake? Dot dot dot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know some some good stuff. Uh, we see Sigma grind set. They already had Paragon Soul. They're expanding, I guess, a little bit more east, or maybe they already had those systems and I just never noticed. Not sure. But we do see mostly new players coming in here, or very very small alliances that were already in the area are starting to expand their presence a little bit. Now, if you zoom your map all the way up to the other side of the map, the uh, northwest, the complete opposite end, basically, Fireco hasn't actually taken any space, but they have had a huge impact. Uh, That escalation of fraternity bringing in Pandemic Horde has in turn brought in the Imperium, and it's not a SIG deployment. Imperium has put out one of their state of the Gunions, and this seems like a full blown all out war. Interesting to see who sticks around for this war. Um, you know, we've got, we've got like everybody uh, in Nalsec now squeezed into this, this tiny piece of space, you know, basically fade and <laughs> fade Declan, pure blind, you know, it's like, it's just hilarious when you think that they've just left swathes of space behind down the south and just decided to ignore that now. Um, and, and like everybody's looking north. Like the prior to the this stuff happening in the south, um, of course, there was already um, uh, uh, Pandemic Horde SIG and Pandemic Legion and co um, up, up, up there messing about with Brave for months and months and months. It, it was from like sort of Halloween until Christmas. Um and, and Panfam um, weren't largely involved, except, you know, Winterco was still sort of hoping that they could, you know, get rid of Volta and all that up there. Then they went down south. Now they're back up north. It's just, <laughs> it's just quite funny to see so many people squeezed into, you know, Pure Blind and Faden and Declan again. Like, like <laughs> it was, it was the most active place um, in Nalsec, I think, all of, most of last year. And uh, here we go again. It's yeah. Here we go again. Except it's turned up to eleven. Yeah, it kind of works out interestingly. The the agreement for the southeast kind of laid the groundwork for this because now neither Panfam nor Imperium have like they've basically a gentleman's agreement that they're not going to push in the south at all. So this is the only place left they can fully commit. Now, Panfam hasn't fully committed officially. It's just that Sig. That's basically been locked in for the long term, but you've got to imagine that will quickly escalate. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, you've got to recognize that that SIG is, um, you know, several um, large corps who are very uh, PvP-minded and PvP-orientated, very, very high skill level and SP um, and resources and, you know, kind of basically the people who um, can, will, and want to fight um, that are part of PL and PH. So, you know, all they're missing really is is the sort of the average line member joining those big fleets um, to just make up bigger numbers. You know, and there's really not... nothing that would stop them, right? As well, no, far as yeah. organization-wise, they just turn up there if they want in on this content, which you'd have to imagine they would. Yeah, the jump bridges mean that they can just come along. Um, you know, it, it doesn't take a huge amount of effort. Um, and of course, you know, with timers and things, people can plan in advance. So why wouldn't they? You know, people are starting to drop structures up there, left, right, and center. And uh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of stuff going on, and nobody knows you know, who's going to stick around for it. I think the ultimate question here is, an issue of Goonstorm coming in, great. You would presume the battle lines will be drawn along the border of B3 and Winterco. Most of Winterco's timers are set in inconvenient times for most of the player base of the Imperium. Is this of deployment in anticipation of a lot of defensive timers on B3 side, or do you think this is actually, as the propaganda has laid out from Brisker Ball, Fountain Frank, and others, that they're trying to roll back the Imperial, or excuse me, the Winterco's gigantic rental empire? Do you think they actually have the prospect for offensively taking systems, killing key structures? Well, all of not all of last year, but much of last year, um, Brave and, and uh, Volta and um, Blob, they've had to put up with having, you know, frat structures in their space. Um, Fortazars are plenty. There's like, it feels like there's a Fortazar in every system up there belonging to frat. So, you know, they need to be uh, looked at, isn't it? You know, if, if um, even just to start there and to get rid of those Fortazars is going to be a task because they're all set to China time zone. So, you know, that's a, that's a starting point. Whether it would go further and, you know, encroach into what is already frat space, it, that's another question, you know. That involves um, intosisin and things, doesn't it, and other things. But um, just to begin with, you know, it, for, for Brave and Volta and co, it would be nice for them if, if they didn't have to have fraternity, um, you know, large structures in, the, in, in their backyard all the time. Um, that would be a great starting point, I think. And, you know, is that an offensive action or a defensive action? Well, um, probably more defensive, I think, isn't it? Sort of, you know, yeah, clearing I would up count the that as defensive. Although it would be a good proof of concept if they could bring those down, then what's to say they couldn't bring down others in other systems? Yeah, and, you know, I mean, how much do frat want to lose over these fortazars that are actually, you know, placed in systems they had no intention of taking, some of them? You know, like they've said all along, frat have said that they only want uh, to see Volta gone from the region. They don't care about Brave 2. They don't care about some of the other parts of the space. So, you know, presumably Purblind, which is occupied by, more, it was occupied by Brave until they sort of joined up with, with B2. Um, you know, Purblind isn't really counted in this in this objective for FRAT, yet it's covered in FRAT uh, for, um, Fortisars. And, and in fact, there's a Keepstar there that doesn't belong to, uh, to B2 as well. Um, and I, I don't know if there's even more structures now from when I last was there, because this was like before Christmas. 
Oh, I'm so excited. And I think Mark Resurrectus <laughs> said it quite well, which is this is going to be a, a very third-party heavy fight. World War third party, potentially. Yeah, I think it should be named um, World War B3, but then after three, you put RD for third, and then party, by the way, because that <laughs> little meme, <laughs> that third party, by the way, sort of occupied Reddit for the latter half of 2022. So I would love to meld, you know, the World War B thing with B3 and third party, by the way. I think that's a great little summary of what's happened. Do you have any uh, personal plans on getting involved? I can't comment on such things, but um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's just from, you know, taking a step back from it, it's exciting to uh, see, because I was in, um, obviously in Brave, like in the lead up to this, and I saw what pressure they were under from, from, you know, that SIG, that PH and PL SIG, um, and, and from Fraternity. And, you know, Brave were quite capable of um, holding back Fraternity. Uh, without any real sort of problem and um, lots of fun was being had but when it came to you know that sig turning up um that was able to field stuff in their time zone and uh and in u.s time zone that was a different um pressure uh you know and although they're still there and brave is still there and everything's fine really it was a different pressure so i think it's it's interesting to see now where that's headed um as in other people getting involved Mm-hmm. Well, certainly something that Nora's going to keep its eye on. Uh, we've got other things going on at the minute, but, uh, you know, contract could change all that. And I've, this war is probably going to be a long one. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, really, the uh, the brave the brave fraternity conflict and its various permutations has been going on for well over a year at this point. They've never really stopped, have they? Yeah, and you know, interestingly, you know, Fraternity's original target was Volta. Um, and I think N- Norris wanted Brave to just sort of just stand aside and watch as Fraternity tried to pressure Volta. And it was Brave and Dunk saying, no, you know, we're not going to do that. They're, they're our neighbors. And um, uh, although I, I think at the time Volta and Brave would shoot each other for fun, um, you know, Dunk, it didn't sit well with Dunk and Brave to just let Fraternity you know, steamroll over Volta. So uh, I'm not sure that they would have, to be honest, but, you know, that's a different thing. We're not going to know anymore. But, uh, yeah, you know, Dunk decided to stand with his neighbor um, and uh, Brave, you know, decided to get involved and get in the way. And it became, it felt like then the pressure was on Brave, really. You know, they're almost, because they're closer, really, and a bit maybe a bit uh, more straightforward to attack because they have more newer players. Um, yeah, it became a frat brave thing, and that's where this has all sort of come from. It's brilliant, absolutely love it, and we'll continue <laughs> to update you guys on the situation as it develops. For more local news, uh, Noir is now no longer at war with Tissue. They let the war deck drop. They put a, a big old gloat post on Reddit about it, which everyone shitted on because it was pretty vain. Uh, basically, we realized quite rightly that they don't have a European time zone to speak of. So we just moved the timers of the structures they kept on hitting to EU time zone where we had them outnumbered and then they stopped the war. Okay. So that's the rather anticlimactic finish to that. Uh, was hoping we would have another shot at their, uh, at their war headquarter, 
but after a couple attempts, they just never really let us reinforce it. Um, it's pretty it's, the way their high sec structure is configured. It's pretty easy for them to defend it. So they really just had a gunner come on with a Varger alt and the tackler alt, and that's pretty much all that they needed with the way they had it set up. So we just went uh, all right. We tried it a couple times. Wasn't able to get that big climactic final fight. Eh, okay. It just kind of fizzled. We lost the war pretty hard, but I feel like the Alliance learned a lot from it, particularly our newer members, QCATs and Horngry. They, I mean, this whole thing exposed a lot of cracks uh, in, in all sorts of stuff from their logistics to their recruitment practices to pilot mentality, just showing those people what the difference is between sort of the casual faction warfare play that they've been used to for so long and that really high-end small gang warfare uh, being on the receiving end of it in a very uh, strategic way instead of just you know running into it in a battlefield from time to time. It was eye-opening for a lot of them, and I think it pushed Noir quite a bit as well. We were making some mistakes that we needed to get fixed. Um, kind of challenged our, our theory crafting. We came up with a whole bunch of stuff. We learned a lot. I don't know. Overall, it was a really, really bloody loss. Our kill board is weeping, but overall, I think we had a pretty good time, you know, as far as having fun in the game and and feeling a sense of accomplishment from it. I feel like it was pretty good. I think we'll take a lot of the lessons from this tissue war forward into the things that we do in ways that will be really helpful to us and hurtful to the people that we're fighting. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I was on some of those, um, fights those defensive fights mainly and one or two of the offensive ones as well and you know it did bring a lot of people together and uh it got some people to step up into roles perhaps they hadn't done before and um had some successes in those especially the defensive stuff and uh yeah people in sort of really enjoyed elements of it and i think you know that's that's always good to see isn't it when you've got a common goal and uh, people succeed at that goal for example defending a timer or, or whatever it was um it really brings people together and uh, makes people think about what they what they really want to do in the game. You know, do they want to be doing some more FC and do they want to be, you know, more organized? Do they want to be looking at the at the doctrines more closely? And um, it, they take things a bit more seriously, and it's just fun to see. Yeah, I think I think I've never been so happy to lose, or that's not the right phrasing. But I think of the campaigns that we've lost, this isn't our first one. I think we've learned more from this one and that feels good in some ways. So if, you know, if we were going to lose, at least we got something out of it. And I do think we got a lot out of it. I think the thing is you, you're an unwilling participant in the, uh, in the whole thing on you as, uh, as the defender in a war, you know, you're, um, you're trying to go about your, your everyday Eve business, your, your play style, your want to do things in the game. And suddenly you've got a group, Sort of saying to you, uh, no, you're you're going to have to pay attention to us now for a little bit, um, and on their terms, you know, because they they set the the agenda really, and they they sort of um, their focus is on you, and your your focus is uh, on other stuff and them, and um, you know, for them to win, uh, they 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 can set the parameters. So uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and you know, it's just unfortunate. Nor isn't used to having things that can be attacked in this way. Uh, it's been a long time since we've really had 
infrastructure, let alone easily accessible infrastructure. But with Horngry coming in, they have a lot of the um, citadels for Galenti militia. So a lot of like our forward operating Astra houses that the Galenti militia relies on to be able to dock in places that we need to defend. Those were the prime targets. They're a couple jumps out of staging. They're not necessarily configured for really hardcore fighting, uh, mostly against like gal mill types or excuse me, cow mill types. So, you know, it's just good, good timing on their end to deck us so early into the Alliance getting merged together. We didn't really have a lot of time to sort out some of the things that we need to sort out that would have enabled us to fight the war better on the early stages and the pressure of the war forced us to do all of that on a really compressed timeline. So all the lessons that we learned, all the cracks that it exposed were all things that we would have needed to address eventually anyway. Just we had to do it really, really fast and had to pay a lot of risk in terms of ship losses to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, it's interesting how it parallels a little bit with you know what Brave had to contend with when, um, you know, obviously on much smaller numbers, but uh, you know when they, I think, didn't they switch all their time zones for their structures to, you know, sort of the worst time for their enemy and things when um, it all kicked off last year, you know, that those sort yeah. of tactics, you know, a second nature to big groups that are used to do, having lots of assets, you know, that's the first thing they yeah, do. It's just a common sense Eve thing to do. If you were strong in one time zone and your opponent isn't, defend in there. That's what the game is set up to do. Certainly what Tissue did, they, they timed their structures when they're strong. So why wouldn't, like it's just that's like normal. Yeah, but even even if you're strong, say US time zone, and your strongest is US time zone, but you've got a decent EU TZ, and your opponent hasn't got an EU TZ, then switch to EU TZ because you're strong, much stronger than them in that time zone, and that that that's it. Then isn't it? You're you're, sort, you're sorted really. Well, it uh, it did work out for Kaldari militia, which. Uh... You know, we saw Tissue working pretty openly with them toward the later stages of the war, pretty much the last week. I think they dropped the veil. But uh, the overall effect of this war deck has been to take Network, Aderon Robotics, and a few other key uh, Galenti groups basically out of the, not out of, but seriously distract from a lot of the territorial game of faction warfare. So you saw Kaldari Militia making a lot of gains in this time. And they were just able to accomplish a pretty big one, taking the hub system of Nagamanin, which is a bit of a, a crossroads and brings the front lines perilously close to Galenti Militia's headquarters in Hades. It's now uh, two jumps away with uh, one of those prongs being Oinaseekin, which is currently, as we record, at 92.5%, about to be captured by Kaldari Militia as well. But I think give uh, give the groups involved a couple days to catch their breath and reorient themselves back to the war zone, and I think you'll see some of that progress slow, perhaps even reverse. But we shall see. It's going to be an interesting goal line stand because a lot of the uh, the front on Placid has collapsed, which means the Kaldari groups and the Galenti groups from up there will probably start relocating. Um, Certainly, the, you'd expect the Kaldari groups, too, because they have less to fight for up there now. I think Galenti only have three systems left in Placid. So that is all going to come down to this uh, this essence area where the fighting has heated up tremendously. 
it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We've never been in faction warfare when it when it gets this compressed. When we first joined, we were doing the compressing onto Kaldari, <laughs> but the tables have turned. And it's not that they're winning fleet fights necessarily. It's just relentlessly efficient farming. Caldari uh, have the plexing part of faction warfare absolutely down. It's really difficult to compete with the speed that they can do it pretty much at all times ends as well. When it does come to the straight up fleet fights, Galenti are winning far more often than they're losing, but it's not counting for anything really, even on the battlefields, which give you a big chunk of percentage and advantage. You know, we'll, we'll win battlefields in Nagamana and I think we won three or four straight, but didn't matter. They would erase that progress in a couple hours. It's relentless. Yeah. And you know, they, the numbers they've got, they can go around uncontested in many parts of, of the front lines at the moment, isn't it? And with with network being distracted by what they've been distracted by, that that's just been the case. And uh, it will be interesting to see now what happens when they are contested, because that's more than likely what's going to happen next, isn't it? That you know they're not going to be able to do it uncontested anymore. They'll have to they'll have to compete now with Galente ships in space, Galente ships purposefully trying to disrupt what they're doing much more aggressively, much more actively. Um, and I, I, does this, any of this have any tie-in with the the shipcaster stuff? Those well, that event is coming up next week, we think. Um, hmm. We don't know too much detail about... You know, I mean, we, we know that it's going to involve collecting research items of some kind, but I don't think there's any understanding of if it's going to be centrally located in some systems more dispersed regionally, if there's going to be a central place, you have to take them. I think those details will determine a lot of how we engage with the content here, whether we're actually farming it, whether we're camping, uh, if we have to relocate or deploy somewhere to engage with it. We're not sure yet. Mm. There's a lot of interest from all of the militias on getting the shipcaster stuff. I think the general consensus among the experts is that this is going to be a huge, huge aspect of the war zone going forward the ability to shoot ships out essentially from a central location to various points so everyone wants to make sure that they have that capability hmm. and that's even just presuming we know what it is i don't think they've they've clearly said what this tech is going to wind up being or how it's going to work no but that's how people are talking about it they they imagine it's going to be some kind of structure in a central location probably high sec near the war zones where people can go there. And then if they're in faction warfare, they'll, they'll get launched to some front line. I don't know if they'll be able to pick it or not pick it. No one knows anything about it really, but that's how people are thinking it's going to work. And um, law wise now and, and things, you know, we've got the, is it in tacky went high sec? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think on singularity server, they've, there's a mention of um, being able to join faction warfare without leaving your corp. I saw that the other day. Yep. The allegiance system is probably going to be in the next patch. So a lot to keep an eye on going on in faction warfare. Yeah. uh, There's a lot of discussion about how that's going to impact. I think people expect a lot of AWOXing. Yeah. People expect a lot of day tripping. Maybe you'll, come in for a couple of days and then leave, maybe come in for a weekend and then leave. It's hard yeah. to tell which faction is going to benefit from it more. If people would rather join the winning side or 
join to fight outnumbered, so they have a lot of targets for that temporary period of time. I think it's also going to affect groups that have joined Faction Warfare since the patch. You know, maybe some of their membership wants to stay, some of their membership wants to go. Well, they wind up pulling the corporate alliance out and just letting members join individually, like your test alliances, for instance. Yeah, because one of the weaknesses, I think, of Faction Warfare is if your alliance is in Faction Warfare, then every corp obviously is too, and all of their standings affect the alliance and things like that. It must get messy for um, groups that want to be in Faction Warfare and somewhere else. You know, their pilots, if they're in high sec, they're affected by the the high sec Faction Warfare mechanics around, you know, being shot in Jita or being shot in Galente space. Um, or Amar and uh, Mimitar are the same. So I think, you know, the, the ability to be heavily involved as a group, either as an alliance or as a corp in faction warfare, without the corp or alliance itself being part of a faction is going to be powerful. And like you say, I think uh, some groups will decide to flip their current situation on its head, um, technically leave, while at the same time allowing their pilots to stay and stick around. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, and I think that will would probably rely then on your personal standings to join. And, you know, maybe you've got pilots that want to play with their friends who have positive standings to one faction, but they can't unless the whole corp is in. And there's going to be that to consider as well. A lot of a lot of moving parts to that feature for the faction warfare faithful. Yeah. Um, and this whole AWOXing thing or, you know, using blue eyes and things, that's that's another added complexity, isn't it? I think... But, you know, organized fleets, people who go around in groups, they should be able to work out what to do about those things. Speaking of organized fleets running around, my host highlight was Ikeo's Tyrannus fleet the other day. Okay. Ah, so much fun. Uh, He came up with a Tyrannus fit that was like pushing 300-something DPS. And then we took out a fleet of 10, 15 of them and just roamed around the war zone looking for stuff. Incredibly fast, incredibly fun, super aggressive. We killed a rather pricey Vigilant and didn't take any losses because it melted so fast. People are not used to seeing these these T2 ships around low-sec these days. No, and it was a bit frustrating because we couldn't go into any of the plexes. So we ran into some targets and fleets that we would have loved to fight, but they were stuck in Navy plexes that we couldn't go into. But we did find some stuff out in space. Just, so, it's frustrating. Like, there's so many fights you would love to take, but you know you're kind of you're literally gated out of it. Yeah, it is. It is uh, interesting, isn't it? You know, even the pirate frigates are kind of gated out of the vast majority of this stuff, aren't they? Yeah, they're considered a tech two ship for purposes of faction warfare plexes. So, if it's a navy plex, which is the vast majority of the plexes that spawn. You can't take your pirate ship in. No worms, no daredevils. Succubus, that's a shame. Sad. No trigs either. Yeah. It is, I mean, I can see why they do it for balance reasons. Uh, it, it really would be unfair to the Tech 1 frigates to let them in, but they could adjust the spawn rate a little bit. Yeah, because is the advanced, does that allow them? It does, yeah, but they were, yeah. there are hardly any advanced, unless you go to the front lines, and even then they're a minority of the ones that spawn. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, isn't it right that like even a medium plex, you can't take a, a frigate in there, like a tech two frigate in a... Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, frustrating. Uh, what's your host highlight, Zero? 
So I haven't really got a highlight as such because, you know, I've, I've left Noir recently, so I feel like that's more of a low light, really. Um, and I haven't really had any sort of stuff to talk about that I've done um, since then because I've been sort of moving and things. But, um, you know, I think j- just for me, uh, watching the last nine months of, of Pure Blind um, sort of events culminate into what we talked about earlier um, and, uh, you know, looking at... Uh, investigating now the new bad guy of eve renton you know the, the renton is now the the evil haunting bad guy that is oppressing all of us watch that unfold that's that's going to be it's why i play the game to be honest all of this stuff that's going to be an interesting propaganda war because you've had pan fam say you know renting bad to fire cow and now it's stifling small alliances and now you've got them backing up winter who are basically the biggest slumlord i don't know what you would call them but uh winter is i don't even know if it's considered renting they just want to farm and they've they've got a lot of robotic individuals (laughs) seemingly robotic individuals who go about doing that for them and they're just constantly looking to expand 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 to try to get that whether they're literally renting it out to other people or not it's it's definitely that mentality um i don't know what to believe you know on reddit you know who does but uh you know like i don't think i've ever seen you know anybody from frat or anybody from horde come out and say yes we we rent our space out we are landlords we we charge x amount for for a good system or you know true sec costs this and you know um dead end systems cost that i've never seen those posts but what i have seen and, and obviously you've got to add the caveat that they might not be true, is is individuals coming out and saying, I rent, I rent in frat space or whatever, and um, I like it because, and then they give reasons why, you know, they like to in, sort of, in, they enjoy, I don't know, making ISK in their space and they don't really want to be having to defend that space themselves and they're quite happy to pay somebody else to defend it for them and, um, you know, and, and sort of really sort of defending the um, concept of renting null sex systems out for a monthly ISK fee or whatever it may be um, and, and pricing them in, in accordance with different factors like their true sex, you know, and, and where they are and things like that. So, um, so it seems like it is true that, you know, these, that, that, that there are groups in the game that, that charge small corps or individuals ISK to um, live in space. And I think it was um, Starfleet commander recently saying um, that, that um, Volta were going to stop those sorts of practices. And again, I'm not going to assume that, that that's exactly what we're talking about, you know, but Starfleet Commander saying Volta are going to stop doing anything like that, you know, um, uh, because previously perhaps they did um, and, and they were making a lot of risk out of it. So, yeah, there's this sort of moral um, taking of sides now where groups are saying, well, you, 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 you are landlords and that's bad. Um, and we, we don't like that. So we're going to go and we're going to, we're going to, you know, defend against your expansion then. Yeah. I mean, the renting is, is undeniable. It's a big thing. You know, Imperium been against it for quite a while at this point. Um, I know PanFam is pretty much for it. They've, they've got people in charge of their rental program with contact information and that kind of thing. Um, it's one of those things where I think it works out for everyone involved, but 
in the aggregate, if you scale it up to the entire game, it could be a bit unhealthy. Yeah, a sort of like too much of anything is bad sort of concept. Yeah, just like that. You could do a lot of perfectly fine things, and but if a thousand people do them, then it's kind of bad. It has some follow-on effects that are negative. I kind of think it's like that. I I think it's as perfectly valid a reason to attack anyone as anything else, frankly. Um, and if that's the stand that Imperium wants to take, I'm all for it if it gets ships exploding. <laughs> like, one of the concepts I've heard recently is like that renting is like the passivist uh, replacement for um, you know passive moons and things. The idea that you know if you if you can hold territory, you can make a scar of it without having to um, farm it yourself. Yeah, which. Yeah, if you don't want to farm shit, that's great. I suppose so what you'll have happen is people will then go and fight more wars so they can take space that they don't need just so they can rent it out to other people who could probably take it themselves. But, you know, if they have this system where they're just paying that absentee landlord more money instead. Yeah. I think that's where the issue comes in. And and we don't seem to have like 10 landlords all fighting small border wars, we seem to have large, small numbers of large groups, isn't it? Well, that's the incentive, right? If you want to set up a rental empire like that, you really just want to be the biggest landlord and rent everything. (laughs) There's no, like, there's a lot of incentive to, much like the Technetium cartels, to, like, not rock the boat. You know, you want to have your, your rental space nice and safe, and the people that come in don't get disturbed, and you're willing to take and cut any deals needed for that. Yeah. It doesn't really promote conflict, does it? No. Um, Unless you are trying to bully out like a small alliance that won't go along with that. <laughs> like your braves. Yeah. And that, that's when it starts to feel like, like what some people call um, like cartels or, um, you know, what's the other word? Extortion and things like that, isn't it? Which, you know, is perfectly legitimate in Eve. It's just, don't be surprised if some people come to their defense, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Because it All does right. feel like Brave didn't really get like more than five minutes to set up in pure blind before people <laughs> were knocking on their door. <laughs> yeah, those poor guys. Well, that, they've made a nice home of it, though. I, I think everybody has to be impressed by how well Brave has defended their space. Legendary, really. Well, I want to give some shout-outs to our Golden Elite supporters on Patreon, Bodie Vilson, Fade Atreides, Kestrel Swainson, Crav, Mark Havoc, and Tweak. Thank you guys for your continuing support into 2023. I also want to give shout-outs to Rob, Aikio, and Akbad, the noir directors that make running noir possible. Thank you so much for everything that you guys do, whether it's leading fleets, recruiting, competitive stuff, logistics, uh, you guys are just awesome, and I'm really thankful that I have the leadership team that I've got. That's very nice. Right, for me, um, I wanted to shout out uh, all the people of EVE, and this goes for everyone in EVE, who maintains, produces, uh, edits, refreshes, updates, Corp, Alliance, and Coalition documentation. Because, you know, that's this is something that always amazes me, is how good uh, the people of EVE are at um, documentation manuals uh instructions you know um frequently asked questions lists and to be honest it's inspired a lot of my personal work um you know over time i've I've pinched 
different um, brilliant ideas of how to disseminate quality information, how to summarize things, how to, uh, you know, get the point across, um, how to lay it all out. And I, it just, over time, I'm just, just always amazed. And I think every group has a slightly different approach to it. Um, and every group has a slightly different uh, method and different tools they use. But, um, you know, even though um, there's a lot of similarities, it, it does amaze me how many different approaches that are to that and um, how many different ways of dealing with the same problem exist in EVE. And I'm not going to go into any detail, obviously, but, you know, rules and, and things and how, how to um, herd, herd the cats of, of EVE, uh, it's, it's all done in different ways. And I'm, it just amazes me. It's really good. Well, that's it, guys. Head to declarationsaward.com to participate in our polls. YouTube.com slash C slash AlexiFK to comment on our show highlights. Check out some of Noir's PvP videos. The uh, Noir Remembrance playlist is a great one. Want to check it out. Noir Recruitment is back on post-war. We've brought in a few people, but it's been pretty selective for obvious reasons. We're now recruiting for both Noir and Noir Academy. So if you want to hang out with us, come chill in Cafe Noir dot in-game or hop on our Discord. And we will answer all the questions that you've got and hopefully take you out on a fleet, see how you fit in. Uh, And with that, no matter where you are or who you're flying with, good hunting, listeners.